Hello, welcome to Shepherd the Sheep podcast. Today we are with pastors Gino Galermo, Elder Romeo Santiago, and me, Jason Vaughn, and we are going to be discussing how to navigate people with different worldviews. Or another way to put that question is how to navigate people we disagree with. Uh, maybe another way to navigate that question is how to navigate or deal with people who have different mindsets. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep podcast. On today's podcast, uh, we are going to be addressing and helping churchmen, uh, that's those of us in the church who love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and understand that he has called us into the church. We are going to help you think about how to navigate people with different worldviews, uh, maybe different mindsets uh, or different priorities than you. Uh, in some ways, this is a little bit like the one of how to navigate difficult people uh, the difference would be this. Uh, when we thought about how to navigate difficult people, sometimes you're navigating difficult people and those different people have similar mindsets with you, similar worldviews, similar, similar convictions, but they are just hard to work with. Uh, now, sometimes that difficulty is because they have different worldviews or disagree with you in different things. But um, since we have Ramil on the phone, we, we figured it would be good to add to this discussion some more nuance, some more issues. Uh, there's going to be some overlap, but that's okay. But but in today's culture, uh, whether it be at work, uh, it could even be in the church, uh, it could be even in your own home, uh, especially coming up with Thanksgiving and Christmas or different holiday seasons, you know, and you have family members coming over who have different worldview approaches than you do. And so we're going to talk about how do you navigate people with different worldviews? And this one's kind of on my heart a little bit too. Uh, it's on, I know it's on Ramil's heart and Gino's heart as well. And uh, before we, we got started the podcast, Ramil had a very good kind of observation lately and we'll get to that, but, but just kind of in thinking about setting this up, uh, we need to define a little bit some terms here. So worldview, I would argue that a worldview, and this is my own terminology, so uh, you, you can't pull this from Schaefer. I'm not trying to steal it from anybody. However, my definition may or may not have been influenced by different people I've read over the course of my life. But a worldview is the way you understand the world as it is and as it should be. And so all of us interpret the world with our worldview. And Lord willing, believers have a worldview that is influenced by Scripture. So in other words, I view human beings as sinful, not because I personally think humans are evil, but because Scripture has informed me that human beings are evil by nature and that they are precious in the sight of God because God has said all everything created in his image is, is precious and that human beings are redeemable. And that redeemed human beings are able to conform into the image of Christ, are able to change the way they think about issues. So my worldview, right, influences the way I think about marriage. It influences the way I think about work. It influences the way I think about the church. It influences the way I think about parenting my kids. It, it even influences and encourages me in the way that I think about punishing my kids for sin and what my kids ultimately need. And it's not you know, better clothes or better food, it's they need the gospel. And so, Lord willing, your worldview is informed by Scripture and agrees with Scripture. However, what we need to recognize is that we live in a world where not everybody shares the same worldview. If everybody shared the same worldview, there would be one political party in the United States. There would not be two political parties in the United States. Uh, there would be one. That's it. There would be one church, that's it. There would be one place we buy our clothes, that's it. There would be like, we probably would all even eat pretty similar food. Like I think worldviews even can trickle down into preference issues. 
Uh, there would probably be only one kind of movie, uh, and it wouldn't be love stories because those are really atrocious. Uh, it would be right. It would be good drama action movies like Braveheart, Braveheart. Hmm. So, um, but, but this is right. So, so the, the issue is in this world, you have to navigate people that have different worldviews and different mindsets. Uh, sometimes, right. Sometimes they're cordial, like your boss and you get along great, but you just have different worldviews. And it is sad to say, but I believe that unfortunately you can even that unfortunately I believe this observation is true and I would love to be proven wrong that unfortunately, even among Christians in this culture, there is a drawing a line in the sand and a separation from other Christians even because we have different mindsets on different issues. And some have described it as tribalism, right? That, that you have your tribe and obviously those group of believers over there are their own tribe and you're not with that tribe and they're not with you. And so you draw a line in the sand and it's okay to now cast stones at that tribe because that tribe doesn't think about this issue the way our tribe does. And our tribe's right. Your tribe's wrong. See the difference. You're not our tribe. So therefore, because you're not our tribe, I get to throw stones uh, because God's okay because I'm in the right, you're in the wrong. And unfortunately uh, that's a complete sinful approach according to scripture. So uh, with that said, Right, that I think the temptation, unfortunately, that is prevalent in this world. And listen, if you go to Twitter, you'll find encouragement for this kind of well. But Jesus, right? I mean, he uh, he yelled at the people in the temple. Well, Jesus, like turning over the tables in the temple, is not there to like validate our anger towards other believers, because Jesus also said, "Love your enemies." And so, if you can't love your enemies, then uh, I sympathize with you because you have lost in your unbelief and you're lost in your sin and you're talking yourself into very sinful behavior that denies the word of God. Very clear teaching is even in second Timothy two twenty four and 25 about being kind to those who disagree with you so that God may lead them to repentance. Hmm. And though Jesus may have turned over the tables in the temple, the, the couple things that I have to remember is one, I'm not God. Jesus is God. Uh, so two, he had righteous anger. And three, though we may even have righteous anger, I think in the right mindset, we are peacemakers who want to lead them back to Christ. And so take your temple, uh, bad example, because you have clear commands in scripture on the need to love your enemy and being kind. So how do we deal with people who are of different mindsets? And so I'm going to, I'm going to get off my soapbox because mm. Gino's here and Ramil's here. And, uh, I think I've set up the situation. So gentlemen. Wow. That's a, that was an excellent introduction there setting up the whole, uh, conversation here today. Um, but yeah, the question, so the question is how do we navigate? And I would say, um, the first, like attitude the first the starting point for any believer i think has to be love right um and when i say love i'm actually talking about an action towards somebody uh, so when we're approaching any person uh, despite their worldview we need to approach them with the goal or the intention in mind that we're going to love them and love looks like something right uh gentleness it looks like kindness it looks like long suffering and so we definitely, um, I, I think that that needs to be the base or the foundational working point for any believer. What say you, Ramil? I agree. Um, <laughs> you know, as, as believers, we, everything that we are really is founded on the gospel, right? It's founded on Christ. And so even the way we want to navigate our interactions with others and our communication needs to be founded on that sort of love that's demonstrated in the gospel, that self-sacrificial love, the love that, you know, values the other more than the self. And 
you know, we're called to do that even within Philippians, right? The, the example is Christ, you know, who humbled himself and, and became a man to die on the cross for us. Uh, I think that's an excellent foundation to lay down when I'm, when I'm thinking about how I want to interact with or communicate with anyone that I disagree with. And then, of course, it all goes back to the gospel because my purpose for communication is to lead to the gospel mm. in many ways. So, so I'm always thinking also of the end goal, which is not just to win the argument, as Jason would always say, but win the person. Yep. You know, win the person to Christ. Hmm. Yeah. So, in thinking about, I mean, the right, obviously. There, there should be a love for people. And uh, if I buy into that, which, which I obviously do, but thinking about a listener, you know, that that's not always easy to love people that just, that, that have different mindsets. Yes. Right. Uh, especially in a world of like, Oh, you're, you're at a different party. I mean, how many times do I hear Republicans called Democrats idiots and Democrats call Republicans idiots. And, and a lot of it just stems from because they just prioritize and organize their understanding of the world in different ways. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those philosophical differences are not wrong. Uh, sometimes obviously those philosophical differences can be sinful. And, and I'm actually the weird guy that thinks both, both parties are sinful in a lot of ways. Um, but, but in the sense of like, okay, how do you, how do you take that step? So you engage somebody who has a different worldview than you. Uh, where do you go from there? Like what, um, right? What's the response? If the line in the sand is wrong, right? And I think, Ramil, this is even getting at kind of what you were mentioning earlier before the podcast, it, that's, that you've been thinking about it on your heart a lot lately. Hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there you are. I think. Hey, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I have to reach out. Unmute. Um, I think that it might help to even start to kind of open the box of worms for a little bit and, and discuss the nature of, you know, conflict, right? Uh, James talks about the nature of conflict being about desires, conflicting desires. And when you're talking about different worldviews, we're really talking about the core of each person conflicting with each other. And so naturally you're already poised for conflict just by the sheer fact that we hold differing worldviews. You're already starting off at cross paths. And what we're really asking here is how can I as a Christian demonstrate Christ in my interactions, knowing that this is the starting point, that that the views are already conflicting. Um, and the other layer I would add to that to frame kind of the whole discussion, partly frame the discussion too, is that, you know, a friend recently said, you know, uh, I'd pose the question, what's the difference between being prideful and having conviction, right? Sometimes in our zeal for our convictions, we come across as prideful and and so on and so forth. And often we don't know how to navigate the difference between standing up for what I believe uh, and and standing up for the truth and our, our sort of passion for standing up for the truth and, and equivocating and shrinking back and being a coward about what we believe. And so I think those are the kinds of subtle struggles we go through when we're having a discussion with someone we disagree with, right? Where we're battling this desire to stand up for what we believe, but at the same time, trying to figure out whether am I going to crush this other guy to just determine what's right in this discussion, or do I listen, you know, and different people have different sort of thoughts about what listening means. So, uh, those are probably additional layers I would add to the discussion. Um, I mean, just real quick, as we go on, I, 
how do you deal with that? I think the first thing that I can think of is, um, you know, James one nineteen says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that's all far all too common nowadays is to, you know, try to get your word in as we've seen in some recent debates, right? Um, just try to shove your word in there so you can get the point and, and you know, for, forget about listening to the other point because that's irrelevant and that doesn't matter. Um, I'm right and I'm going to get my point in right now and it's a few if you're going to listen to it or not, you know. Mm. So be quick to quick to listen and slow to speak because you might learn something. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's really a kind thing to do. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's all part and parcel of what it means to love people. Um, I mean, if it took God's kindness to, you know, to make us repentant, then, you know, why should we follow a different mode? Right. Um, yeah. But some of the thoughts that are going through my head right now, um, you know, I think practically speaking, we can't view people as their tribe, right? We can't view people as a as uh, as a tribesman, part of a tribe. You have to view them as individuals, and we have to. And you know, part of what you're talking about, Ramil, is uh, like understanding who they are as an individual it is a really important starting point. So, uh, and that requires you know the 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 game plan of being their friend. I think it's just so practically just practically speaking, being being a friend to somebody and i know jason has this is kind of like jason's wheelhouse when, when he talks about friendship um jason what are your your thoughts on on that that sentiment yeah it's uh it's interesting because kind of knowing even what um a little bit about what Ramil's answer is and totally agreeing with what he's gonna say uh i keep thinking about like the try what what bothers me the most about the tribalism thing and I think what bothers me the most is I think, what if I waited tables the way with a tribalism mentality, right? And I keep thinking as a servant of Christ, I am to serve whoever will listen the gospel. Hmm. And so if I have an audience, whether that be on Sunday morning, the congregation, or if that's like, you know, my kid in the car driving with me or some random stranger. My goal is to serve them Christ. And I keep going back to the waiting tables mentality, right? You as a waiter, you kind of learn who's at your table because you, right. If you can kind of get a feel for the kind of even personalities at your table, you can wait the table a lot better. You know, and so there was a discernment there that some people liked the chatty waiter. Well, sweet. Like, then be the chatty waiter. And some people just wanted you to drop chips and salsa to drink off and not say a word. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to serve those people, but you have to kind of learn those people. And so you can't learn people by just kind of looking from afar and assuming. Like, sometimes stereotypes worked as a waiter. But oftentimes you still, even with the stereotype, had to go over and do your best to navigate them to serve them. And I, that's what I keep thinking, right? With people with different worldviews, my job is to serve them. And I serve them better by learning them and loving them and being friends with them. Mm. Because even at the end of the day, if they walk away disagreeing with my gospel, what if, what if I have to see them again in the future? Uh, I would hope they would go, well, there's that wacky, crazy guy that believes that I need a savior, but man, he was really loving and kind and gentle. Mm -hmm. He was actually fun to talk to or great to talk to because he wasn't like combative. Nobody yeah. likes combative people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I do love that, um, that illustration of a server too, Jason, because it's, imagine if you're like at a three Michelin star restaurant mm -hmm. and the, the food is beautiful. Like you're at Jiro's like sushi restaurant, right? Oh yeah. And, and you know, you're going to get like the best sushi in the world. Yes. But the way that the chef served it was so such in bad and such bad taste with such bad attitude. 
like despite how good that sushi is, you're going to remember how it was served. Yes. And you may not go back again. And That's you may true. not spend $400 a, a plate, you know. Um, and, and the same thing with the gospel. We have a beautiful message. Yes, I agree. And what I just heard was that, Gina, you and I need to go there to, <laughs> to eat to. some sushi yes. so that when we're talking about the need to serve people with the gospel, we have a clear picture and the experience Amen. of what we're talking about. Amen. So, Ramil, you, you can say yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well. Ooh. All right. Book it. We. Where's that? Where's Caitlin or Amber? We need to. We need to get them to book this for us. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, our our wives will have fun here with the kids. They can go to Hobby Lobby <laughs> together. That'll be a fun time. And uh, yeah, it'll be minute. It's all for ministry, guys. All right. Yes. Anyway, just kidding. So, yeah. Um. Honestly, you're right, Gina. The way it was served is a big deal, and I kind of wonder, like, does drawing the line in the sand and like throwing stones at your enemy and go, or like, and be like, you're wrong. And, Oh, you know, I'm standing for truth. Like, gosh, imagine if we talked on to our spouse, the way we talked on social media. Mm. I mean, you'd probably be, you probably, honestly, if you'd have dated that way, you wouldn't be married. So yeah, unless there's something really wrong with your spouse. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People are already going to treat us with a tribalistic mindset, so we should not treat them the same way. Yeah, agreed. Right? I mean, if you, I mean, just um, thinking about Romans twelve, right? Bless those who persecute you. Yes. That's already a completely different method or a, a, way, a way of communicating. People are already going to hate us. Why not instead of hating them back, bless them? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Well, I'm standing for truth. Well, and I think that's. I think you're right. You know, the way you serve them. Uh, I mean, honestly, I've, I've gone back to restaurants that had subpar food because I knew that we would get a certain waiter that we had fun with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Buffalo Wild Wings is not like the creme de la creme of, of, of wings, mm-hmm. but back when we lived in our old house, there was some fun waiters that we knew we would get when we were there. Mm. And so it was, it was a fun atmosphere. It was fun to watch a game, fun to eat the subpar wings and uh, of course, I mean, we all, I only order flats because I like the good part of the wing and um, you know, we'd have fun with that. And, but, yeah. but again, B-dubs is like, uh, I mean, I don't mean to be offensive. It's like, it's not the greatest wing in town. Wow. I thought they were. So no, I think uh wing stops better. Oh, okay. And then uh, Johnny yeah. Max down in Henderson has really good wings too. And they've got that 40 buck. Families. This is our plug for them. This is. Oh, you we're not what? getting. I hope we're getting wings. They're not. They're, they're not doing anything for us. Oh. You know what? I'll, th- I'll call them and be like, we mentioned you on our podcast. <laughs> Eight people are listening to that is designed right for local people in Vegas <laughs> and talked about your family dinner with wings. Maybe they'll hook <laughs> us up. I doubt it. Man, if they only knew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Back to um, uh, Romans twelve. Yeah, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. I think it's okay to even feel the pain of um, of of the world, even if it's not always right. Yeah. Right. Like you, you kind of want to relate to them at some level. Yeah. Like, so. Well, and even not even just the world, but even even people in the church with different mindsets. I mean, I'm not charismatic. I'm not going to be tempted to go. I haven't been tempted to go charismatic in my whole entire walk with Christ. Uh, but sometimes I was embarrassed by the meanness in which we threw stones at the charismatics. Yeah. And I just think, you know, how do you how do you save face with them? Yeah. If you saw, I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get it too because some people are angry because they came out of that and they feel like they've been lied to. They feel like they've been gypped. You know, they, they, they were, they, they, they were um, swindled from their money and and had bad yeah. experiences. So it's an overreaction many times. Yeah. Um, so you know, those are the type of people that we need to walk with and yeah, help help through you know, help think through that, those kind of things. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but on HBO, uh, honestly, Nancy Pelosi's daughter hmm. had a, um, a documentary, like a three part documentary. It's like, I think it was like two, two and a half hour documentary, but it was, she divided up into three or four parts. And it was very interesting because what she did was she went to Alabama and she went into deep red parts of the country. 
And she asked the question. She said, uh, I want to understand Trump supporters as people. And she said, I feel like the media goes down and they cover it. And they, they, the only time they engage with the Trump supporters is they walk in the door, engage the Trump supporters, go back to the hotel and hang out with each other. And she said, so I want to go understand them. So she went down and went to the, the Trump rallies and all these different things and interviews these different people. And she, it was interesting, like, cause even on camera a couple of times they were like, well, you know, these are like, like Trump standing up to like, you know, Pelosi's grandkids. And then they would say, what's your name again? And she'd be like, she would tell them. <laughs> and then she would, she would look at her kids who were on, who were there with her. And she'd go, these are literally Nancy Pelosi's grandkids. Wow. And she said, what was interesting to her was that the people that would say that would kind of backtrack a little bit and they would get nice all of a sudden. Yeah. And she said, there wasn't a single night at any of those rallies or any of those events where a local down there in Alabama did not invite her to dinner. So she took them up on their dinner invites and went and had dinner with every one of them. And she said, you know, it's interesting to me because what I learned, and remember, she's talking about unbelievers. She said, what I learned was that it's hard to hate in person. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of what goes on in social media. I think there's, there's a justification on social media that it's okay to hate people on social media. But the reality is if those people came into your home, you probably are not going to hate them like that. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to find yourself being kind and cordial. And, you know, even maybe after your discussion where you find out yeah, that the, you and this other person have a completely different worldview, you know, there's probably a like, hey, that's okay, but we, you know, we both still love the Dodgers or hopefully you don't like them. I mean, it's fine if you do, but whatever. Go Dodgers. You know, yeah, go Dodgers. Yay. Yay, they won the World Series. So congratulations. I'm excited for them. But, um, but you know, it's still the, the, the point is that, like, it's interesting even in those situations where you've seen it in person, people tend to kind of, like, fall back on something else that they can agree with. Mm. And they tend to not hate. But on social media, it's, like, justifiable hatred. And I think what we're trying to say, I definitely know what I'm trying to say is God views your interaction with somebody else as an interaction with another human being, not some nefarious idea. Like somebody behind is typing those words beyond the other end of the internet. Mm. And there's nothing in scripture that says, you know, Hey, if you're on social media, it's okay to hate. Like at that point, like, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is be aware that you're often engaging human beings yeah, and you're going to be accountable for the way you dealt with them. I think it has kind of uh, creeped into the public square because with cancel culture, yes, you're seeing people like literally call out people in public now, yes, and just run over them with what you know, like physically and verbally, verbally abuse them in public now, yes, and that's really sad. I mean, that's that 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 was not. I don't think that happened before. I think that's a unique thing that's yeah. kind of. Uh, new today. Well, and, and ironically, so I, I, you know, I've been off social media for a while now. And, uh, by the way, this is my plug. Get off social media. You seem fresh. You seem fresher. Yeah. Honestly, you seem like oh, a new guy. It's like I, I have time for things <laughs> yeah. that I didn't have time for before. Uh, it's amazing. Like I promise you, if you're listening to this and you just said, Oh, I can't do that. I promise you listen to the sound of my voice. You mm. can do it. Get off of social media. It'll be the best thing you ever did. Anyway, that's my plug. Get off it. Promise you way better life. But um, the reality is, right, you are going to be held accountable for the way you engage with other people. And your job is to serve them Christ, whether they agree with you or not. And there's something about being with people in person to where we feel okay. Oh, I also remember, it's interesting to me, we complain about cancel culture. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we turn right right back around and we try to cancel things. Yeah. So the the irony is those who complain about cancel culture have also been the first ones to say cancel Starbucks because we don't like this article about them. Mm-hmm. Or their coffee's really bad or Yeah, or cancel <laughs> this this <laughs> that was a joke. live stream because of this. Yeah. And it's like, look, I, I'm not even aware of these issues. You know what? I personally I don't care. If you don't want to pay for Netflix, don't pay for Netflix. If you don't want to drink Starbucks coffee, don't drink Starbucks coffee. 
if if you don't want to shop at like if you're if you don't like in and out then don't you know what i mean like to me i actually don't care where you eat your food at like it doesn't matter it's a preference issue and so um you know i guess again my expectations for the world are pretty low mm. uh and i again i don't know anything about it but i do know that like netflix has had pornography on it before they had whatever the, I, again, I didn't even read an article. I just know somebody's like, do you know, did you hear about that cuties thing? And I was like, like the little oranges, like, what are we talking about? Cause you know, the, the cuties are those little oranges that you can buy in the yes. store. Yeah. Okay. That's what I literally thought they were talking about at first. But you know, at the end of that, like the, the whole, all the, all my point is that ironically we complain about cancel culture while both sides are willing to do it mm-hmm. rather than say, you know, and the rather than say is not to, to accept the sinful behavior, mm-hmm. but to try to engage the people that have the sinful behavior mm-hmm. to help lead them to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, that yeah. Was, yeah. Really wordy. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, the, yeah. The engaging part is, is the, is the tricky one. Cause I think uh, what people think we are, we uh, ought to do is kind of, uh, you know, march as a soldier to defend the truth, um, with like, you know, weapons of war, ready, to, ready to go to war. When in reality, uh, engaging the culture and engaging, engaging the culture is really engaging individuals on an individual level and convincing them to change their worldview. And I would say the medium or the the mode for that, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to ever change this answer. Is kindness. Yeah. Uh, Ramel, I think this is where it might be good for you to chime in because I think kindness is the tool, but I love what Ramil had said earlier about, uh, another one of the answers to that is rather than draw the line in the sand is ask God, God, is this, is this a human being that I can have an, a deeper relationship with? Right. Right. I think, you know, a few, a few notes and some of the things that were mentioned, you know, one, you know, living in a, in a very sort of an age that's inundated with social media. Um, and, you know, to me, social media really has ushered in the rapid breakdown of human relationships. And not only has it distanced us from each other by giving us a very illusory sort of false way of connecting. Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to get into the details of that. There's so many sources out there that, that sort of prove that. Um, it has also really started to cut down the foundations of our ability to relate to each other and communicate with each other and connect with each other and all of those kinds of things. And so, you know, thinking on just the idea of the fact that, you know, the gospel, the gospel calls us to have an intimate relationship with God, right? Through Christ. We're saved and we're called, um, and then we become adopted to be his children. And then, and then with that, he calls us to have an intimate relationship with each other as the church. You know, and then even then, um, with the rest of the world, there are many instances in scripture where we're not just called to abandon the sort of fallen world, but to engage with it and, and, uh, and preach the gospel of salvation and reconciliation. And in all of that is this, is this aspect of relationship, right? It's this aspect of, relating with each other, connecting, empathizing, learning, understanding each other. And and so kind of this age has really started to put blocks between us. You know, it's so easy now when you talk about like, if I talk to my wife the way I talk to people on social media, things would not go well. And the reason for that is because we don't have a relationship with the people we hammer on social media. And then when I think about the sort of mindset of I'm a soldier for truth and I need to stand for truth, um, that Gino's mentioning, I think about, uh, I always thought about it this way. 
when you when you give the truth in a very sort of zealot like way and then just kind of doesn't matter if it hurts and you kind of just mindset that but like truth hurts deal with it you know and i'm just gonna fire it off and discharge my duty as a as a bearer of truth because that's that's my duty and that's how i'm gonna do it it's almost like you know dispensing something with your eyes closed you don't really want to look at it at its effect you're just going to give it. It doesn't matter what happens on the other side. You you just kind of, this is my duty. I'm just going to talk it out there, you know, as opposed to if you have a relationship with someone that you're going to give the truth to, you give it with your eyes open and you look at them and you see how they react. You see every little part and piece of who they are and how they're interacting with the truth you're giving them. And you're able to, to, to understand their their objections, to understand their pains in life, to understand all of those kinds of things as you give the truth. Those are two very different things. And people will acquit themselves by saying, well, I've discharged the truth to that person. I'm washing my hands. I've done my, my due diligence to God because I defended the truth as opposed to I cared and loved, I cared about and loved this person and I gave them the truth and I stuck around to see what happened, you know? Um, and that's where relationships come in is, is building those friendships and building those relationships so that you don't just, you, you know, you, you want to stay, you want to stay. And I, I want to, I'm in here for the long haul. I'm going to keep talking to this guy who keeps saying maybe next time or maybe, you know, maybe some other time. I don't feel like hearing it today or whatever. Uh, you know, and whether that's about the gospel or some other worldview, having the fortitude to even have those kinds of interactions is a really important skill to have, which is also being lost. It requires fortitude to sit down and listen to something you don't like to hear and and stay uh, calm, <laughs> you know, and collected about it. So, relationships. No, that's a good point because it it's that long suffering that I think we've talked about uh, quite a bit, quite a few times in the podcast, and I know we emphasize even in the church, and even a couple of weeks ago in Chris's pastoral prayer where he was um, praying for long suffering in the church and and for us to be patient. I, I think it might be helpful because Ramil, what you're saying is uh, the response to different worldviews is not to draw the line in the sand and to walk around. You're almost saying you need to double down on growing in your relationship with somebody else. Um, but, but both you and Gino have said this now. And so just, just for the sake and help of our, of our listeners to understand, uh, because there, there might be somebody like, are you, so you're saying I have a wrong view of standing for truth. So, are you saying we shouldn't stand for truth? So maybe let's define positively. What does it mean to stand for truth? Yeah, stand for truth. I, I, I like thinking about um, um, Ephesians where it's just to stand firm. Uh, it doesn't mean that um, it doesn't mean that we compromise our beliefs, our belief systems or the gospel. It does. It means that we can still be kind and stand and not be and be immovable. You know, not be tossed to and fro. Um, it means that when it comes down to the actual matter of truth, we will not budge. So there's a way, uh, you know. And this is this is this is why we do engage people because we we do want to change their mind, right? About uh, and lead them towards Jesus Christ, and that does take time and long suffering, and it takes knowing them and asking like simple questions like well how did you get there how did you how did you come up with that truth where does it come from i mean deep questions that no one probably has asked them before yeah i mean it's it's you know and we have to think of these people yeah I, I, you know we've been going through isaiah in the old testament and I, I think of isaiah 42 where uh it talks about jesus christ you know a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench and it, this yes. is the way jesus christ approached people yeah. you know people are broken people are yes. uh, they need hope and no, I'm glad you said that because like standing for truth, one, I think you're right, right? It's an immovable. So if I sit in the room and I'm quiet amongst a room full of people that are contemplating their unrighteous action, and so then they leave and they go rob the bank and I don't leave, 
like really I stood for truth in the sense that I was not moved to do what they did. Mm. I mm-hmm. stayed my course. And then when you think about actions being a positive action, like, well, what, what does scripture say is our positive action? I think you could interpret that as, as the word walk in Ephesians. Yeah. Right. So you walk, you live by, you speak, you communicate. This is what you do. And the very first walk command in Ephesians is walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called Amen. with humility, which is a servant minded. Others are more important than yourself with gentleness, with patience. And this, this is the one, right? Showing tolerance for one another mm. in love. Right. And so that tolerance is the idea that you're going to have to put up with some crazy things and thoughts and words Yes, out of love to, to be diligent to preserve the unity of the bond of, in the uh, unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Uh, mm. But, you know, he goes on and talks about that walk. Um, you know, therefore I say and affirm together verse 17, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart and they having become callous. Right. So, so again, that callousness is unbelief. Mm -hmm. Well, I would argue that drawing a line in the sand is becoming callous towards other people, Mm. having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus. Therefore that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self mm. and then verse 24, put on the new self and he goes down to write, um, you're laying aside falsehood. You're speaking the truth. Uh, but he goes down to say, therefore, uh, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, gracing each other, just as God in Christ has already graced Amen. you. And mm-hmm. so that, that right. The Christ is super gracious to people who don't deserve grace. Mm-hmm. and he's loving to people who didn't love him first. So how can I look at somebody and say, you're not in my tribe, therefore I can be a jerk to you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the hard part is what we're saying, if you if you get to the bottom of what we're saying, what makes what we're saying very difficult, and what by the way, I think what we're saying is is rooted and grounded and influenced by Scripture. So I think what God is saying to us, the, the, to me, this is the hard part. Is it's hard work? Yes, we can't. We can't ever say, "Oh, we're, I'm just done with people." Yes, like regardless of the election results, uh, right? Yes. November four, whether you know your guy wins or lose, you can't say, "I'm done with the other side." No, yes, no, that's not ministry. Is like doesn't matter who. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're there we're, we're there to give the gospel. Yeah, you know. So you were saying something, Ramel? Sorry. Sorry, uh, it's absolutely right. I agree, and I'm glad you kind of brought up the other side of the coin, Jason, because it's true. Like, I mean, the question does get um, brought up, well, does that mean we're equivocating or kind of shrinking back? And I would contend that that would not be the case, right? Because there's a difference in saying to someone who is rebellious against Scripture, hey, man, um, I know this has been going on in your life and maybe you feel a bit angry towards God. And I know it's been painful and all of that. Um, but you're, you're still living in rebellion against God and God loves you. And, and he sent his son to die for you as opposed to oh, repent, you sinner, you know, like, like you're, you're going to die in your sins and guess where you're going to end up. You know, <clears throat> those are exaggerations of of kind of a small picture we're trying to paint here but you know i think part of the root of that is what was just mentioned which is the fact that it is hard work it is hard work to to really interact with someone who has a different worldview than you and to be patient about it and to, to you know sometimes we just want to take the truth like a hammer and just flatten someone until they comply and it's easier that way. And then the out we give ourselves is I was courageous for the truth and I did I discharged my my duty. Um, it's harder to have to sit and really try to think through and understand why this person is the way they are. What are what 
you know, like, how did they grow up? What are they going through now? How are they viewing it? What are what conclusions are they drawing about God based on their situation, or there's no God based on their situation, whether it's their political views or their world views and things like that. And to be able to sit there and really try to process that and listen so that you can understand that person, <clears throat> I, I don't think that means that you're equivocating on the truth because you're still going to give them the truth. And often what I found with people is when you, when you deal with them that way, when you sort of love on them that way, there's a respect for your worldview uh, as a Christian because they really, there's credibility all of a sudden. All of a sudden they trust you because because you listen, because you understand where they're coming from, because, you know, there's a difference between understanding where someone's coming from and acknowledging that and agreeing with their conclusion about life and everything, right? That's We're not important. agreeing with their conclusion. Yeah, that's a very We're important just distinction. Saying, I understand. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I just want to say that's, no, no, that's an extremely important um, distinction. Right. I'm a, oh, see, even my dog agrees. I'm a, I'm a hear where you're coming from and understand it. That doesn't mean I agree with it. So, sorry, keep going. So that was, that was really almost to the close there. I think um, the other aspect of this is that we can't get tired of thinking, you know. Um, what, one of the tactics that gets employed a whole lot in any circle of society right now, whether it's believers or non-believers alike, is to take a term um, that means something atrocious, like Nazi or racist or whatever, and just kind of slap that on someone as a sticker. And then all of a sudden, that someone is legitimate because, or illegitimate because you slap that sticker on them. All of a sudden, that person is no longer worth listening to. They're no longer, their opinions don't need to be heard. I don't need to understand where they're coming from, et cetera, because I've, I've mentally slapped this sticker onto that person. And that happens in Christian circles too. You know, you, you just change the terms. You can call it charismatic. You can call it, you know, heretic. You can call it. Right. Whatever, you know, that disagrees with your theology and you slap that on them and you go, well, he's not worth listening to because he's a bit. And it takes a lot more work to listen to someone and say, well, how do you really understand this? Or how do you, how do you really view this? Um, I want to know and I want to understand and, and we can have a discussion on the, the differences, right? Yeah, I think, th- I think what you're saying, again, it's hard work because you're listening to understand. And if I could, if I could interject, uh, if I, if you came to me and said top three problems that people have, number one is wrong expectations for other people. Number two um, is that we often project onto others our own thinking. So when we see or hear people do things that, that maybe is not in line with what I would see or do, right? Often we project onto other people our thinking and rationality and assume they're governed by the same thinking and rationality. And you see this all the time, right? Like, Oh, well, why did they make that decision? Well, you know what? They were probably chasing the money. Well, you have, you have no idea if they were chasing the money. Um, you know, uh, that's projecting some kind of motive onto them that doesn't exist. Uh, it may exist, but if you don't have the information, then that conclusion's wrong. You know, I remember growing up, it was like, well, why do, why are, why are rich, um, you know, why are rich actors always advocating for the poor? And I remember somebody saying, well, it's just probably because they feel guilty because they have all that money. Well, again, that's projecting your thinking onto their actions. And, you know, um, it's probably, you're probably, you might be right. You might be wrong. So to kind of like, then go to bat based off of your projecting your thoughts onto other people, right? The problem with that is you're actually sinning by misrepresenting them. And there are memes and all sorts of stuff. See, even my dog's upset about this, um, that, right? That, that we project onto other people 
you know, we do it, we do it with our spouse. You know, there was that meme out there where the husband and wife are laying in bed and he's, you know, he's kind of laying there looking one way and, he, and you can tell he's got like this concern on his face and she's like, oh, he's got to be like, I don't know what's wrong, but he's got to be thinking about other women or maybe I'm, maybe I'm too fat or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm too skinny. Like maybe, maybe my, you know, and she goes through this litany of things that's, that, that's probably wrong with him. And then it goes over to him and he's sitting there and he's like, yeah, gun won't sight. And that's it. You know, he's just sitting there figuring, can't figure out why is why he can't sight in his, the, his, uh, his scope on his new firearm. And often we do that. Oh, I see you're upset. Well, you have to be upset with this. Well, no, actually they're not upset with that. Why don't you ask them why they're upset rather than project. But, but humans are masters at this because in our mind, we assume we, we really, every human being thinks they're normal and thinks other people think like them. So the rational person does it my way, because again, if you didn't think your way was the right rational way of doing it, you'd probably do it a different way, you know? And so I think it takes great, great awareness to come to the realization that not everybody thinks like I do, not everybody acts like I do, and not everybody organizes life the same way I do. So rather than assume that everybody does, perhaps it would be better for me to ask them why they do that. But again, that's hard work. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, and I'm trying to think of, uh, of, of like just the past. I think that every generation has this issue. It just, it just manifests in different ways. And I think with social media today, it just exponentially makes it worse. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, because again, you have a world of projecting. Well, he said this and he blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, why, why does he got to be like that? Yeah. And I will say too, our, our, the world today has such, not only is the world, not only are they diverse, right. But they're so like on the opposite sides of the spectrum now. Right. You know, and then everything in between. Right. Well, I'm going to make somebody, somebody random who doesn't know us is going to listen to this next example and they're going to get mad at me and that's okay. You can be mad at me, but uh, I'm not wrong. Uh, you watch a video and you see a police officer do something to a human being. And what do you hear? The narrative is racism on display right here. You are literally projecting onto that video something that may or may not be true. You might be right. Mm-hmm. However, watching a video, unless there's something in the video where the person's like, yeah, I just hate these color, these, these kind of people, and so I'm going to kill them. Mm. Like, without that, you don't know. And by the way, you're watching an edited video. You don't even have the whole story. Mm-hmm. So you're projecting your thinking onto that video and saying, obviously I'm right in my interpretation. And again, you may be dead wrong. Mm. And there's, I, I mean, so again, I'm off social media, don't really read the news. So I don't really know what's yeah. going on with any of these major like video. I just know they're out there. And I know this, that, um, one or two of those guys is end up going to get a verdict that the world doesn't like. Because again, they were foolish in that they quickly assessed rather than allow due process to go. And uh, yeah, gotta be careful. Yep. Yeah. We're the product yep. according to the social and, dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> so, and actually, Jason, to kind of piggyback off of that too, is um, really the part of the mechanics that we're seeing there is this idea of, of, of kind of placing a situation within a profile now, you know? Oh, yes. Um, there's there's kind of a profile of if a police officer shoots someone of a certain race, then it was racially motivated, and that's a profile. And if you take that and break that down and shrink that to a microcosm, you know, as human beings, it's a part of who we are to create profiles, you know? Um, yes. We, we understand the world around us, us based on references and that's what profiles are we try to navigate the situations we're in based on experiences we've seen before people we've seen before you know situations we've been in before etc and that helps us to find the grounding for whatever situation we're, we're placed in or whatever person we're talking to but we also need to recognize that there are limitations to profiling Right. We have to, we have to understand as people, especially relational people, that, you know, we can't be the kind of person who says, Oh, I met people like you. I know exactly what you're like. Right. Um, 
because you don't. You don't know exactly what that person exactly is like until you get to know that person. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of really important for us to recognize that profiling has its limits and profiling should not define all of our interactions. Um, it should maybe, it could be a starting point. And then from there, I want to know more and understand more about that person. Right. No, and yeah, no, I love that. You're, you're right. Like it's the irony is to profile and then it, you're actually doing the same. You're actually doing exactly, by the way, this is very common too, to where a lot of times we are doing exactly what we accuse other people of doing. Because again, we kind of think that they think like me and uh, yeah, it's crazy. I definitely, I'm not sure, you know, um, if we strayed a little bit off how to navigate with people with different worldviews or that you disagree with. Um, uh, but just to kind of come back and conclude some thoughts on this, uh, I think what we're saying, if I could summarize, is that somebody's different approach in life or different worldview is not a time to draw a line in the sand and put them in a different tribe. It's that, okay, God, especially if this is a person you deal with on a habitual basis, Lord, this is somebody that I can learn and grow in a relationship with in order to serve him the gospel. You know, and so the only caveat I would have is if you're a guy, you know, be be very careful about about that kind of relationship, especially with somebody else's wife. Or you know what I mean? Like that, that's, so those, those obvious like relationship boundary markers are kind of there. However, right. It's not necessarily wrong to, to try to navigate people with different worldviews and to lead them to the gospel. Like instead of being shocked that they disagree with you say, okay, God, here's the opportunity for me to learn this human being and to grow in my relationship with this person for the sake of Lord willing, if it be your will for you to transform them and even maybe transform me in places I need to transform in to the gospel, to be more like Jesus Christ. And so I think that, I think the difference is right. What we're saying is harder work. It requires discipleship. It requires listening. It requires love. It requires the fruit of the spirit. And the other one doesn't require any of those. And so, um, you know, for me personally, uh, when I think about that, right, because the scare is, wow, if I have this kind of relationship with every human being I know, I'm really busy. And and just kind of as way of a practical way of thinking about that, the way Kyle and I, have, you know, the way my wife and I have organized that is, right, we do give preference to each other, to our church family, and then the people we see on a regular basis and to, to intermediate family or you know, to in-laws, to, to sister-in-laws, to, to people, cousins, you know, people we see. But, you know, for me, this even extends to the people in public us who I see usually a couple times a week, uh, to, to my neighbors, even though um, I can't always communicate with them because they speak in a different language than I do. Mm. But, but there's still this like, okay, Lord, if you give me opportunity, right? So, mm -hmm. so to a random stranger, in my mind, that doesn't like, and I engage this random stranger, that to me, that doesn't necessarily mean like I don't necessarily feel like the Lord is is saying, "Hey, you've got to like double down and right. you know fly to Florida where you met this random stranger, you know, in the San Antonio airport and like try to keep up relationship." No, to me, it's more like, "Hey, in the short time, engage them as best as you can for the gospel, and then the people that you know God is going to have in your life." And I know God wants my church family in my life, mm -hmm. my family in my life, and in laws yeah. and intermediate. The principle there is that kind of stay in the lane yes. that God has given yeah. you yes. because sometimes we overstep that lane. Um, yeah. You know, he might give you a great relationship with your boss. Hey, take advantage of that. Yes. But he may not like, yeah. you may not have those kind of, um, you may not have those kind of uh, opportunities to speak to your boss in, in those kinds of ways or, yeah. but he may be a coworker, maybe a, you know, a yeah. cousin that you're closer to, or uh, these are the lanes and in a sense that God has given you don't have to go far to yeah. do, to do ministry or to meet people with different worldviews. I mean, it's just right there in front right. of you. Well, and I think I even think like there are some believer friends who I did meet back when I was on social media and in different uh, Facebook groups. 
Oh yeah. yeah. And some of those guys actually became my friend to where I have their phone number and we randomly text. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about the gospel. And I think, you know, a couple of those guys, our friendships were actually started with disagreements where we took the chat private and talked through things and grew to grew to realize we actually have a lot of things in common and what a joy to, what a joy to have those friends now and to wow. be able to text them and say, Hey, how's life? How's your family doing? And mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of them always end in, Hey man, if you're ever in this part of the country and you look at where they are in the country and go, I will probably never be in that part of the country. Look me up. Right. And so it's crazy how someday, one day I'm going to be in that part of the country. I don't know when, but you know, God may, God has a way of, you know, crossing paths. Yeah. 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 And Hey, you'll I mean, find a also, way to, you'll find a way to get to that coffee shop, Jason. I, yes, know, exactly. I know what you're thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, I mean, how many people come to Vegas for conventions or other things? Correct. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yep. So, yeah. uh, you know, so those, that's the avenue that it might open up and I don't know. I'm just trying to think practically a little bit about that too. And, um, so yeah. Wow. They should have a, a positive, uh, social media group, like Friendster. Remember Friendster? Gosh, do you, you know, that would, <laughs> that, that would last for like, that would last. And then people would be like, here's what happened. Why is everybody show? I don't care what you're having for dinner. Yeah. And then pretty soon the political memes come and then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, remember when this was great and we, and people were just posting pictures of dinner. Well, yeah. People can't be like I still that. do that. That's that's the nature of my social. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't even know what's on my page right now. Somebody could have posted like, you know, whatever, and I have no idea. So, hmm. yeah, it's good. Uh, be like Ramil and I leave social media. There you go. Yep. All right. Anything else on this, guys? Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, navigating. I think. Go ahead, Ramil. Sorry. Sorry. Um. Just a few final thoughts since you mentioned the word practical. Um, because the idea, right, is to, in many ways, how the gospel speaks to building relationships to just sort of address this idea of how do we address people who have different worldviews that we might disagree with. Um, having the humility um, to always just be a learner, you know, when you're sitting in front of someone um, have a spirit of, of man, I, I know what I believe. I'm pretty confident and secure in what I believe, but I could still learn something either about or from this person. And that will help me maybe, you know, give them the gospel, you know, in a better way or something, or give the gospel to someone else in a better way. Uh, so just having that humility, uh, when, when we're discussing with someone. And the other thing I found is that the sort of yelling and screaming, I don't want to hear you kind of dynamic is really indicative of someone who's insecure about their beliefs. You know, um, someone who, who will scream at you when you start really sharing your ideas is really just afraid to hear something that might convince them that their ideas are not the way to go. And so, you know, having compassion for that and understanding that um, and yet communicating the truth still, you know, and not being that person, not being so insecure of your own ideas that you would have to feel that you need to resort to really uncouth tactics to communicate the gospel to others. That's good, yeah, that's great closing thoughts. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, uh, I think you should hit the little rewind 30 seconds and re-listen to Ramil's closing thoughts again because uh, it's probably worth repeating. And uh, until the next time, uh, if there's, again, anything we can do to serve you, please do not hesitate to ask. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, your time. We pray that it's beneficial to you. We pray that it's helpful to you. Uh, If we have said anything that uh, caused disarray or anxiety, uh, we don't necessarily uh, ask forgiveness. We just say that you should explore that. Uh, If we are wrong, come talk to us. But, uh, you know, be willing to rethink, be willing to grow, be willing to learn, be willing to conform to be more like Christ. And so uh, until the next time, we love you and look forward to seeing you here soon. 
Bye, everybody. <laughs> Ciao. The dog said bye, too.